0: Lord, thank you so much for the privilege and honour to worship you, great God. And uh, we look forward to hearing from your Word right now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, uh, we're going to hear from God's Word right now. Um, he can't hear you from home, but could you give Pastor Jono a huge cheer as he comes to bring God's Word now? That'd be great. Thanks, Twigger. Um, hey, it's so good having you joining us On our uh, our church-wide series, we're doing Jesus the Game Changer. So if this is your first time joining us, real welcome to you guys um, being a part of this. This is actually series two of what Kyle uh, Kyle Faze has done. And this one is titled, Making Jesus' Last Words Our First Priority. And um, the, the title of tonight's session that we're looking at is To the Ends of the Earth, which is literally Jesus' last words on earth. I was thinking a bit of a time when um, I was completely out of my comfort zone. I don't know if you've ever been there before. I I reckon you have. Um, Whether it's been you've forced yourself out of your comfort zone, someone's forced you um, to be in that position, or maybe you've just, out of no help of your own, you just found yourself in that position. Well, I remember, this is when I was a fair bit younger, um, a mate of mine and myself obviously decided to go... um, overseas for probably our first time like we'd been in New Zealand but we're talking about overseas overseas you know like a long way away and and so we'd saved up our money and we didn't really do too much research because we're pretty green at all the travel kind of stuff but he had a family over there so we thought we'll go visit his family and um but we'll stop at some cool locations as we go and so we embarked on this this um trip overseas and and I still remember the first place we were going to was San Francisco and we'd heard heaps of good stuff about it. it's an amazing place if you ever get a chance to go there but we're getting to the sort of the end of our flight and about to land and I remember I was looking at my mate and he sort of looked at me in this sense of feeling very much out of his depth and um I was looking at him. I'm like, you're right, man. And he's like, Yeah, I just feel, I, I just, I, I'm not feeling the best. I, I, Brisbane's a long way away at this point. And I remember just being like, Oh, it was a bit of venture, and I'd be like, Mate, it's all right. It's no stress. We'll be fine. And so we landed. and We worked our way through this massive airport. We finally found the right taxi to take, and we worked our, um, our way to our accommodation. And I remember we arrived, and you know, I mean, there was a fair few things that were. Fairly different, you know. Like cars are on the different side of the road. Even their some of their drinks, like Coca Cola, tastes completely different. And so we we're already in a bit of a thing, like, oh, this is a bit different. This is cool. But we put our bags up so, upstairs, and I said to my mate, "Come on, we got to go on adventure. Like, you know, we've we've just travelled here. Let's let's do this." And so he was like, "Okay, yeah, let's do it." So we worked our way downstairs, and I remember we stepped out from the foyer, and um, I remember people had said, go to the pier, it's awesome there. You can see the Golden Gate Bridge, you can hire a bike, you can see Alcatraz. And so we thought, yeah, let's do this. We didn't look at any maps. We just thought, let's go for this adventure. We stepped out and I should have turned right but I turned left and I tell you that we walked into probably not the best neighbourhood that you could ever walk into with San Francisco. And I remember in that moment as we walked and it got more and more different to what people had told me it would look like, all of a sudden I was like my mate. I remember feeling this overwhelming sense of being completely out of my comfort zone, and I remember just saying, "Oh man, I think we've gone too far." And when we turn and walk back, and and I remember even walking past like a a group of very muscular guys with their big jackets on and music playing from their big boombox and CDs scattered in front, and one of them be like, "You're going to buy a CD?" And I remember thinking to myself, "I'll buy all of them if it means I can stay alive." I was I was in one of those moments where I was thinking, "Oh my goodness." Brisbane is a long way from home. I, I don't know if you've ever been in those circumstances before, but it's, it's, it's a tough situation to be in. It, it, it actually makes you feel like you want to lower the risk you take in your life. You know, lowering risk in your life is, is a good thing, but sometimes we can go take it to the, the nth degree. Or what it can do is make you shelter yourself. Or it helps sometimes you can, because of feeling out of your comfort zone, you want to avoid opportunities or makes you double guess pursuing dreams or desires or callings that maybe God's put on your life. As we look at this series and I was reading through the passage, I have no doubt that when Jesus sent out his disciples and he, and he said in Acts 1 to go into all the earth, that they would have felt the same experience. I don't know if it was just then or at least at some point in their journey, they would have felt feeling extremely out of their comfort zone, completely over their head. And so I want you to read with me Acts 1. And we're actually gonna read Acts 1, 1 to 9. And so if you want to join me, I'm reading this one from the the NIV version. And this is what it says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering after his death, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, you are are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Meaning, are you going to build us into a great nation again and, and eradicate all our enemies? And Jesus says to them in verse seven, he says this, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority. I mean, don't don't get caught up in that. Instead in verse eight, listen to this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who had been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I want to highlight verse 8 in this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus couldn't make this call any clearer. you receive power, be my witnesses, and this is where you're gonna go. See, for me, it's so easy to think about these disciples that of being, when God called them as being these amazing, godly men who had their lives together when Jesus calls them. But the reality is that they didn't. They still didn't have their lives together at this point in Acts. They were just ordinary people from different walks of life. They weren't religious teachers at the time. They didn't hold positions that society held up in high regard. They were Jews who'd been taught that God would one day send his Messiah. See, Andrew, Peter, James and John, they were sons of Zebedee and they worked as fishermen. Matthew 4 tells us this, actually. It says that Andrew and Peter were fishing. They were applying their, tri- their trade the moment Jesus had called them. And James and John, they were actually uh, fixing nets with their father when Jesus called them. Matthew, the Bible says, was actually a tax collector, a Jew that was hated by his own Jews because he, in a sense, worked for the Romans, stealing money from his own people. But by the grace of God their eyes are open to the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. And what they do is they put down their tools, they leave their professions and they follow Jesus on this life journey. They they shadow him, they listen to him, they watched as Jesus loved the unloved, healed those when society shunned, served people around him, showed high regard for women in a time when the majority were undervalued. He stooped down to the weak, he protected the vulnerable, he fed the hungry, he performed miracles and the list can keep going on. And Jesus did all this because he wanted the people to know that the kingdom of heaven was here and available for everyone. And he told them that he was the son of God and that he had come to take away the sins of the world. And then the journey continues and it gets to a point where Jesus is is beaten, Jesus is mocked and Jesus is crucified, but then is raised again in victory. And then for the next 40 days, as that passage said, he just keeps popping up in their lives, telling them about the kingdom of God, eating with them, talking with them, showing them physical scars to prove that the grave could not defeat him. I I could just imagine being in that place being one of the disciples and thinking, I mean, Jesus, we thought we'd lost you. You know what I mean? And, and here you are, you're, you're back. You know what I mean? You're, you're here. We're, we're right to go again on these things you're telling us to do. But as Acts one eight says that, um, that Jesus was standing there with his followers and he gives them this commission. He says, look, I want you to go into these places, Jerusalem, go into all of Judea, go into Samaria, go into the ends of the earth and be my witnesses. And then Jesus goes up. And I could imagine these disciples saying, God, seriously, like Jesus, seriously, like we've seen what you did or what happened to you as a result of you going and sharing this mission, sharing this message says, Jesus, you were just flogged. You were just mocked. You were just killed for this message. And now you're asking us to do the same. You're asking us to go and be your witnesses. And then, you know, you vanish, you know, and you're leaving it up to us. For me, that'd be sort of almost like a paper bag moment. You know what I mean? Like if I was in that position, I'd be like, someone, give me something to breathe into. And then on top of this, for the disciples, This wasn't a straightforward calling either because you've got to remember that most of the known world at that point was under Roman rule. Rome was the powerhouse. The emperor, if he didn't think he was a god, he would have acted like one. You know, what he said when. Christianity was pretty much a death sentence. Think of Paul, who was originally called Saul before he had his conversion. His choice of career path was to extinguish Christians. You know, going out on this mission was not an easy thing. Travel wasn't easy. Opportunities for healthcare, not easy. And then Jesus goes on to say as well, and I find this really interesting. Notice Jesus lists Samaria as one of the places. Remember in the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus mentions that the Jews and the Samaritans despised each other. You know, what I mean, I imagine Jesus saying to them, look, I want you to be my witnesses, go into Jerusalem. They're like, cool, I can do that. That's my home. Okay, now I want you to go into Judea. Well, Judea is the, uh, Jerusalem is the capital of Judea. We can, we can do that. Okay, and I want you to go into Samaria. Like, whoa, God, Jesus, y- are you serious? Like, this is the Samaritans. But I really believe Jesus put this in because he wanted to, them to know that the gospel was for everyone. What would follow as they stepped out of their comfort zone would be persecution, rejection, failures, disappointment, shipwreck, hunger, and eventually for most of them it would pay the ultimate price of following Jesus and that was Death. But they're able to be his witnesses. Why? Because they received power from the Holy Spirit. Let's read that Acts 1.8 again. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Notice notice in Acts 1, it it actually said, Jesus said to them, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem until you've received the Holy Spirit. Meaning, look, I don't want you to venture out until you know my power. See, I want us to note this, that the the courage, the strength, the wisdom, the position, the fruitfulness, the power to see dry bones come to life is only found in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus ascending into heaven wasn't the removal of God from earth, but in fact, it was the embedding of his presence and power within us and God's people. If Jesus had not ascended to be with the Father, then the Holy Spirit would not be upon us. I love what Romans eight eleven says. It says this, The Spirit of the God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Then He said to them, This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel, It is not by force, not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's army. We're talking about men called out of their comfort zone, but filled by the power of God. Have you ever read Philippians 2? Philippians 2, 9 to 11 says, Therefore God exalted him. God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above everything. Every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, the same power is ours, only found in Jesus. So we need the result. The gospel begins to spread across the world to what we see today. I think it was over a period of 30 years, the gospel spread dramatically. See, the power of what God wants to do when he calls us, when we ask for the Spirit's help, man, the impossible can be made possible. I was reminded of, uh, of meeting uh, my wife's grandmother for the first time, Val. And um, I can't remember how long ago, it was many years ago that I met her and I was reflecting on her story. Um, She was like a 90-year-old lady, still alive, uh, living in New Zealand. She was small and well-spoken. There she was slowly moving along after many years abroad and after many hip replacements, but she still had this sparkle in her eye. And I remember sitting down and hearing her story, sort of a real modest version, as I gathered more information from family members. And and this is how her story went. At the age of 23, she left her family behind in New Zealand and committed to five years, a minimum of five years, on a mission. She jumped on a boat and sailed to Melbourne to where she would do the next uh, number of months doing language training. And over that time, she met this guy, Alan, who they'd get engaged in that short period of time. and. She finished, Alan left and, and went on his, his call to the highlands of Papua New Guinea and she stayed and continued to do her training and um, eventually that finished and she continued on her call that God had given her and she jumped on another boat and followed and went to Tari, a remote people of unreached nature now, if you want a life of comfort and safety, this is a long, wrong location for you. Like she says, that when they they arrived, you know there was a war between tribes. You know they're, they're faced with um, spirituality, demons, and witch doctors. But here, her and her husband, after waiting out two years, were finally allowed to get married. And they poured their life into this mission. They devoted themselves to sharing their life with the locals and sharing the love of Jesus through their actions and through their words. They devoted their their life to learning the language. They had a great desire where they just wanted them to know the gospel so much. So they wanted to learn the natural language, the tongue at that point. And so they shared the gospel. She recounts um, this one particular time as they were ministering, a young native man came across their path. His name was Oleneth. He was a guy that was not interested. He was aloof. His dad was one of the the head leaders of the tribes at that time. And if you know that area, there's part of the Huli Warriors. But as they continued to love and invest, his eyes were open to Jesus. And Olenay would become one of the most passionate leaders of the gospel to his own people. Eventually, um, Alan and and Val continued to, they actually embarked on translating the Bible into the Huli language. And I think just recently it's gone digital. And so they came came back and God called them back to finish that off and obviously to raise the rest of the kids in, in education as well. But I remember hearing this story and her story to pursue God and reach people to the ends of the earth. And I just remember thinking, man, that that is powerful. And the thing I want us to be reminded of tonight is God wants us to know is that same calling that he gave in Acts 1.8 is the same calling for us today. It's the same message. It's the same mission. And church, I want to encourage you. Over this season, I have been so taken back as I've heard stories and I've witnessed people in this church boldly pursuing this call. You know what I mean? I, I've been just even reflecting today on the fact that the time and money that has gone into hampers, I, I was going to say hundreds, but I think it's even gone into thousands, hampers that are given out right across Brisbane. I, I've heard of stories where people are dropping off clothing to clothe people. Meals are being made and delivered. I've heard of families taking in children who aren't their own to invest and to house them. Phone calls being made. Nights night after night being spent beside sick people as our our nurses and our doctors, whether that's locally or abroad from this church. People meeting in a local park to meet the needs of people that need food, need clothing. See it it's costly, this call. It costs emotionally and it costs financially. It's uncomfortable. But the joy of seeing people come to know and experience the love of Jesus outtrumps that. And I don't want us to forget this. I'm not talking about exhausting yourself, but I'm talking about fulfilling the day-to-day call God has in your life, making Jesus' last words our first priority above everything else. See, I love what Carl says. He, he talks about it in his notes. See, the end of the earth may look different now to what they did when Jesus spoke to the apostles. And so I want us to, to read this and listen to this. For a lot of us, the ends of the earth, we might be thinking are out there, but as Carl mentions in a moment, sometimes for us, it's in our very own backyard. And this is what Carl says, throughout the centuries, the places that were known as the ends of the earth keep expanding. People have traveled into China, Japan, Philippines, India. Geographically, the gospel has gone out from Jerusalem to the outermost parts of the earth. So what is it for us today? We can see every square inch, almost, of the earth from our phone by looking up Google Maps. We can travel to the most parts of the world and communicate across continents and oceans instantly. But Jesus' last words are still being spoken to us. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth are less about geography in our 21st century globalized world. And he goes on to list six things. One, across the street, the world has come to the great metropolitan cities of the globe. The, the ends of the earth have come to us. Number two, across the cultural divide. We cross the cultural divide, not just ethnically, but we also face this as we come across different generations, like millennials, backgrounds, family makeup, values and norms. The communities to which we belong are often places where we are going to be faced with difference and diversity. Number three was across the table. One of the places that we can can consider to be the ends of the earth is the passing down of our faith to our kids. Are we being salt and light to our family and using the everyday moments to share and show our faith to them? Maybe it's the people in your very own household that need to experience the love of Jesus. Four, he said, across the hard places, there are ends of the earth places and communities where the gospel is particularly challenging. Places like universities and academia or places where there is a culture of dismissal. Five, he said, is across the places where faith has been forgotten. The Western nations have often been considered the sending nations. Mission was from the West to the rest, but now it's a reverse mission. South Korea is now the second largest missionary sending nation. I don't know if you realise that. Africa sees the West as its mission field. Mission is now from everywhere to everywhere. And then six, he says, across the globe, where there are those who still have not heard. And yet to this day, there are people who have never heard in languages that need the gospel. And this is still an important and transformative work. He goes on to say, and as he said at the start, the disciples of Jesus and the great missionaries of history all have one thing in common. They were ordinary people, who made Jesus' last words their first priority. Filled with the Holy Spirit, they stepped out of their comfort zone, they devoted themselves to God, they had faith, they endured opposition, they have been part of God's ongoing story of making all things new as Revelation says. But what about us? We are also called by Jesus' last words to go to the ends of the earth. Will you make them your first priority? I want you to reflect on this. For you, what are your ends of the earth? Who is God calling you to? Do you have an openness to go? Are you willing to count the cost? Will you have a faith in God for his results? is there something that holds you back from this commission he's given us? Is there something holding me back from the commission or what God's given me? I don't know what it personally is for you, but for sometimes for me, it can either be fear or comfort or inadequacies, maybe even the unknown. Maybe it's even the fear of rejection. But when I re- realize that the, the message I have received is life-changing, it's about a God who loved us, died on a cross for us and rose again. And It's not about my good deeds, it's about what He's done on the cross that I can have a relationship with God. And then I realize that the Holy Spirit has come upon me. Then these fears begin to slowly fade in the background. It's what I love when it said that in Acts 1.8, you will receive power. I want you to hear these last few notes from this series. It says, The story of the gospel going to the ends of the earth is one that is full of people who ventured into uncharted territory. Some of these people... Um, we have heard about through this series, people who got onto boats, trekked across mountains, learned new languages, studied new cultures, risked imprisonment and lost their lives. These remarkable stories of unbelievable faith are also full of one other thing, ordinary people. We all set boundaries and put limits on ourselves and yet we all have the capacity to step out of our own self-imposed comfort zones. See, comfort zone is the behavioural space, routines and activities we use to minimise stress and risk. It is also a way to control. We define a boundary and decide that within this space, we will feel a certain way. But how open are we to moving outside of this? How willing are we to let go of the idols of being stress-free or risk-free in order to perhaps witness or partake in something far greater? See, Acts 1 is a key verse. To begin with, it explains that the power of the church comes from the Holy Spirit and not from man. God's people experienced repeated fillings of the Spirit as they faced new opportunities and obstacles. Ordinary people were able to do extraordinary things because the Spirit of God was at work in their lives. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is not a luxury, but it's an absolute necessity. See, witness is a key word in the book of Acts. Use 79 times as either a verb or a noun. A witness is someone who tells what he has seen and heard. When we're on a witness stand in a court, the judge is not interested in your ideas or opinions, he wants to only hear what you know. You know, the English word for martyr comes from the Greek word translated witness. And many of God's people have sealed their witness by laying down their lives. See, God wants to do amazing things. God gives us a call, but he says, look, I'm gonna give you my Holy Spirit to do that. I want you to. I want you to go into your Jerusalem. I want you to go into all of Judea. I want you to go into the Samaria of your life. I want you to go to the ends of the earth. Whatever that looks like, whatever that calling is, God places on your life. I deliberately didn't tell you the rest of Bree's grandmother's story. In 2014, um, we had uh, an awesome opportunity to go over to Tari. We um, were invited by the people in the Huli province to celebrate 60 years since the gospel had been brought to their village. Um, and I was excited about this, but I did not realise what I was about to experience. And so we all piled onto this very unmaintained. Plane, um, including Bree's grandmother, at a you know I mean at a sprightly age of mid nineties, and and we travelled. And I remember this moment: we land on this grass strip, and there's a photo of this. We disembark, and as we disembark, I just remember seeing thousands and thousands of people on the outskirts of this airport. Well, not really an airport. This hut, you know, what I mean, and they all were there, and then we were um, greeted um, at the plane by this man, and his name was Oliner, the man that I'd talked about previously. What we did from that point is we hopped into full drives and we began um, our journey, which is normally a 15-minute drive um, to the village where. Um, Val and Alan lived and Ray Sinclair and and his brothers and sisters, uh, yeah brothers and sisters spent time and um, normally it's 15 minutes but we were surrounded by that many, I'm talking about thousands of people in a procession to that village surrounding the cars it took us nearly over an hour as they huddled in and sung praises to God giving thanks that God's word had come to their village it wasn't a celebration of the messenger it, it, it was a celebration of the the thanks for them coming but I think it was trumped by the celebration of thank you for your faithfulness great God and what I didn't realise in that moment, and those photos of this at the moment, as these thousands and thousands of people, what I didn't realise is that the Holy Spirit had moved in the people. The gospel had moved from that particular village and impacted the whole Huli province. See, God had taken the availability, someone stepping out of their comfort zone, and and taking it from not just the original bringers of the gospel, but it lit this fire in Olenay and others in that community. And all of a sudden, over the years to come, that land was spiritually transformed forever. I was moved by this. You can see the thousands of people. I found out, just at the start of this year as we went over to New Zealand to, to um, spend some more time with Bree's grandmother. And I never realised this, but Olaner, who is at the centre of this, his dad, who was one of the head leaders of the tribe, he'd been given the name without any spiritual backing, background, without anyone ever telling him about God, the name... Yahweh. And in this moment of unrest, Olenay's dad called Olenay, Olenay, which means called. See, Olenay's dad labeled him called because his longing was that they would be brought, he would bring the people together. But God had a greater um, purpose for him. And it wasn't that they would be brought together, it was that the gospel the power of the Holy Spirit would come and move and not just bring the people together, but transform the people through the Holy Spirit, through the message of Jesus. And that would go out and that whole province is now changed and alive for Jesus. I don't know what it is for you, but Jesus is calling us. He's saying, you'll be my witnesses. The power of the Holy Spirit's with you. Will you go? Come on. Will we pray? Can will you join me right now? Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Here we are, Pentecost Sunday. Lord, and I just thank you that you're alive and well, Father. Look, Lord, this is a prime example. Here we are in a season where we're we're spread out. But Lord, lives are being touched. Lives are being changed. Lord, we're being stirred by your word. We're being stirred by prayer, Lord. And I want to pray now for us as a church, Lord, that you'll teach us to love as we go forth. Lord, you'll teach us to serve people as you teach us to go out into the nations. Lord, you'll teach us to listen. You'll teach us to understand. Lord, you'll give us comfort, you'll give us perseverance, you'll give us courage through your Holy Spirit, Lord God. And I just pray you'll begin to raise up an army, Lord, of people who go into every workplace, every school, every university. I don't know where it is, but they go and know that they are sent by you to go and make disciples. And Lord, may we love well. And Lord, I want to pray in this time as we've been doing this prayer tour, Lord God, we do this because we long for renewal and revival. God, revive us, bring revival to this land. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're going to sing. And just in this moment, I'm just going to ask you, wherever you are at home, will you join the band? Will you pour out to God? Will you cry and say, God, move in our lives, move in this nation? Come on, let's do that. Well, again, it's been so good that you could be joining with us tonight. If you were impacted in some way or another uh, from tonight's service, uh, you may have clicked on the button uh, to respond to Jesus tonight, or you'd just like to find out a little bit more. Feel free to email us at hello at and we'd love to send you out some information and get in contact in some way or another. Uh, but again, it's been so good to have you here with us. We hope to see you next week and we'll see you soon. Thanks for joining with us for our service today. If you sense God speaking to you or you'd like to find out more, we want to help and encourage you on your journey of faith. You can reach out to us via our website or email hello at bridgeman.org.au. And don't forget, if you have a prayer need, we'd love to pray for you. And you can fill in a prayer card on our website or email prayer at bridgeman.org.au. I'm praying God's blessing for you this week, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.